I fight for my right not just to survive, but to thrive. If you or someone you know is battling cancer, you need to listen to my next guest who has not only battled it, but survived it and is thriving. Hello and welcome to my podcast, Unapologetically KK. My guest today is Linda Burlot, who is a board member on the charity of Breast Friends and also part of the committee that has a support group for breast cancer survivors. Hello, Linda, and welcome to Unapologetically KK. Hello. Thank you very much for having me here. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for talking to us. You are a breast cancer survivor yourself, and you have obviously gone through the emotional and the physical effects of having that and and gone past it. And now you're here to help other people. So tell us, how were you diagnosed and at what age? I was diagnosed at 47, um, but my journey with breast cancer doesn't start there. My mum was a breast cancer, uh, impacted by breast cancer. She fought the disease for 15 years and okay. then passed away. My sister Sorry was 37. That. Thank you. <laughs> she was very brave and she fought and um, she lived and died on her own terms, which for me was admirable. I learned many lessons uh, about life. Yeah. Not just being her daughter, but by watching how she lived uh, and chose how to die too. Right. Um, my sister then was diagnosed when she was 35. Uh, and that was seven years before I was diagnosed. I was 47 when I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And did you have any fear because your mother was diagnosed and then your sister, did you have any, any idea of getting any tests or doing something before you were diagnosed? 100%. When my sister got diagnosed, I felt like I had the sword of Domokole hanging over mm-hmm. my head. I was terrified. I think I went into an absolute spin at that time. So much so that I took myself off to a, a psychologist to try and help me deal with the emotions that that fear was kicking up with me. And she gave me some incredible advice, which I put to use, you know, and that was think through every piece of the journey should it happen to you. So have a plan, have plan A, have plan B. And then once you've got that plan, put it away so that you can live your life because you can't. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, That's you right. can't live with the fear that Absolutely. it might. So what what stage were you diagnosed mm. with? It, well, uh, during the last year of my mum's life, I started to have such a strong feeling that I needed to be checked more often than the once a year. Uh, and that's not what I'm advocating by any means. But I felt like I had this, uh, it's like angels whispering in my shoulder or, mm. or in my ear almost, you know. And I went and I asked my doctor, please, could you uh, test me more than once a year? Mm -hmm. I was so grateful and I'm still grateful to her that she took my request seriously. She never once judged me or tried to talk me out of it. Right. And so we we tested in the August, um, I think I had a mammogram or maybe an ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And it was clear in the November, they started to notice what looked like little grains of salt uh, mm-hmm. in my breast. And then six months later, it had spread considerably, but still stayed in the ducts. Right. So they were able to then um, detect that it was breast cancer. I was extremely lucky because I was I had been so vigilant. We caught it very, very early. It was still in the ducts mm-hmm. and it had not spread across to the tissue. Right. What kind of tests do you need to do as a preventive measure? 
Well, I think the first thing that we always recommend is for uh, for girls starting from a very young age to self-examine. Mm-hmm. And self-examining isn't going to prevent breast cancer, but what it does is it gets you familiar with your own breast so that should there be any changes, you're able to spot them very quickly. Right. And then later on in life, then we recommend that you have your uh, mammograms. And depending how old you are, then that is a yearly or every two years. And different countries have different views about that. Yeah, because I was reading online that usually they recommend that you do yearly mammograms after the age of 40, but you're That's saying right. your sister was diagnosed at 35. That's right. And and she noticed a change in, in she, uh, herself? Yes. My sister found a lump. The reason why they say they recommend that we start our mammograms after 40 is that our breast tissue is very dense mm-hmm. before then. And so breast cancer is very hard to detect before then. However, it is being noticed that um, women, younger and younger women are being impacted by breast cancer, particularly here in this region, and we don't know why. So um, if you have a family of breast cancer, for example, my sister has a daughter. My sister was diagnosed at 35. Mm-hmm. The recommendation is that my niece would start uh, being uh, taken care of and also having a mammogram at 25. So 10 years Because there is a history, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you feel when you first received the news? I think the first feeling is shock and devastation. Uh, Like somebody's pulled a rug out from under you. Mm. Even though I was kind of expecting it, you never are really expecting it. Absolutely. You don't want it to be true, Mm. for sure. That's right. Yeah. And I think the worst time is the, the moment when the doctor says to you, you have cancer Mm. to the moment where you clearly know what cancer it is and what the treatment is all about. Those first few weeks where you are sped through so many tests and so many exams, you are terrified and um, overwhelmed and because you don't know what you have, of course, you're thinking about the disease, the impact on your life. Are you going to live? Are you going to die? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that is the worst period in terms of emotional distress because once a woman knows, okay, this is what I have and this is the treatment I will have, Mm -hmm. it's almost like she rises up and steps forward and and the will to live kicks in. So we do what we need to to survive. Yes. Um, and so we kind of manage our emotions, that those type of emotions. Of course, when there's treatment, other emotions pop up. Mm. When you've had an operation and a whole set of other emotions come up too. Yeah, I'm sure because not it's it's not just a physical journey. No. It is an emotional journey, Absolutely. not just for yourself, it's for your family. And obviously Absolutely. you have had two family members who've yeah. battled it. So you have had some experience yeah. with the disease and, and you probably know what's going to happen, but it's still you're saying it's still a shock when you yeah. when you find out yeah. you have it. So it it must have been a huge I guess I guess you almost know what's going to happen, what's coming next, but now you're the one who's going through it. So how do you navigate that? How do you navigate your emotions? And I know you're saying that initially it's just the will to survive and you just take one day at a time, you have to do the test, you have to do the treatment. But how do you manage the emotional lows? Yeah. Uh, with a lot of support. <laughs> right. I think um, not one of us has got through our journey on our own. Every one of us has succeeded and survived. 
because of the love and the support that we get from the people around us, whether it's our family members or friends or kind strangers that step in, mm-hmm. or you've taken yourself to a support group such as the Breast uh, Friends Support Group that we have, or you engage a coach or somebody who's walked the journey before you. I did that. Mm-hmm. I uh, I asked for, for support and I had somebody walk the journey with me in a much closer way um, than a than a family member could because they right. were managing their own emotions. Yes. I asked for a coach to coach me through every step of my journey. And what does that yeah. coaching look like? What, what does the coach offer you mm. in terms of when you're feeling low, not just physically, but emotionally, you just feel like I can't go through this. I can't do it. It's either too painful or I don't know what's coming. And and today, this particular moment, I just don't have the energy to to battle this. What positive emotion gets you out of that state of mind? I think there are several things that having a a coach or somebody outside of your immediate circle. Mm-hmm. Um, the benefit of that is that they can, first of all, help you feel validated in the emotions that you're feeling. Yeah. Your family members and those that love you very often want you to be okay. Yes. And so they're looking to you to be positive. Yes. And if one day you're feeling awful, um, you know, I, I remember telling my mom, mom, you, you have to be positive. Yes, yes. <laughs> and only when I went through my journey did I understand that actually part of being strong is allowing yourself or recognizing when it's time to lie down and, yes. and be low. Yes. And then having the strength to pick myself up again, you know. And a coach allows you to feel the emotions that you want to feel in that moment because that's part of your healing. That's yeah. part of your process. I lost my father to to cancer as well. And and I now that you say that, I do know that there are times when I have thought that maybe, you know, there was some pressure on him to kind of tell us that he's okay. Mm. And uh, you know, I, I remember asking him, Dad, are you okay? And he'd just look at me and he'd smile and he'd say, yeah, I'm fine. And and at one point, uh, we, we had gone to a doctor and the doctor asked him that the journey to to beat this is going to be very difficult and we may not be able to do it because uh, he he suffered from liver cancer. And um, do you want me to make you comfortable or do you want to fight the cancer? Yeah. And the first thing he did was look at me and my mom. Yeah. And I guess he said, I want to fight it because of us, because we were there. Maybe, yeah. just maybe he would have said something different yeah. if he didn't have to be brave for us. Yeah. And I think that's the added pressure to have you know, to have to be brave for your family to say, I'm okay, I'm going to fight this, I'm positive. And and what you're saying is that, that you know, that takes its toll on you. So Absolutely. you should have somebody external who can help you through that emotionally. I I think it's an, it's an added benefit. And that person external could be a, a distant friend, a more distant friend or mm-hmm. something, someone a little removed from you and the situation. I found it very beneficial, yes. I think the hardest part of dealing with emotions for me when I went through my journey was dealing with my loved one's emotions. Yes. Because I had to deal with everything that I was going through and also had to hold all of their emotions and things that they were going through. And uh, that I found that really uh, exhausting. Yes. And I think going through a journey like this is really one where you start to take care of your needs 
you start to actually be aware of your needs. Mm -hmm. I think as a woman, we put everybody else first. Yes. And this is a journey where you, you have to feel every moment, you know, what is it that that I need in this moment. Do I need to sleep? Do I need to eat? Do I need silence? You put yourself first. You put yourself first in that respect. And you have to be able to say to people, no, this is not okay for me right now. Because people are well-intentioned and they love yes. us and they just want to take care of us. Yes. And sometimes they're not skillful in how they do that. Right. So we, it's up to us to then teach them how we want to be taken care of. So how, how does the treatment affect your daily routine? Well, I was extremely lucky because I caught it very early um, and so I did not need uh, chemotherapy or radiation. Mm -hmm. But because of my family history, I had a bilateral mastectomy and a reconstruction. The process for that at the time, because now seven years on, uh, medical has improved so much that mm -hmm. we now do different things. But at my time, it was to take my lats, my back muscles, mm -hmm. and bring them forward uh, and attach them to my sternum so that I could then reconstruct the breasts. Mm -hmm. So the recovery period was extensive. I couldn't open a door. I couldn't lift uh, anything from right. above. For me, it was more of a physical journey in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I remember being frustrated with that because I've always been a very physically active person. Right. I remember my sister saying to me, Linda, just take one breath at a time, one moment at a time, and know that your body will only allow you to deal with one thing at a time. Hmm. And I guess what she was trying to tell me is, in this moment, you need to deal with the physicality of your treatment. Right. At a next moment, you'll have to deal with the mental and then the emotional aspect. Yes. Yeah. One step at a time, one, one day at a time, and just look after what yeah. you are feeling at that moment. Yeah. And, one and sometimes one breath at a time. Is, yeah. Wow. <laughs> What did you have to make any nutritional changes? Did did your life generally? I mean, obviously, after you recovered from the surgery, what was it like uh, to go back to the doctor and say, you know, have I beaten this? So I had always been a very healthy and fit individual. I didn't smoke. I didn't eat or drink substances that would cause me harm. I'm a vegetarian. I uh, exercise a lot. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was, I had to deal with the emotional side of that, you know, it's not fair. Yeah. And, and then I understood sometimes it's genetic um, mm. and, and you can't really fight that. Yeah. However, there are um, factors that contribute to, you know, us. Yes, you might be genetically predisposed. but Absolutely. Um, and so I did have to look at stress in my life. I do think I was diagnosed six months after my mom passing away. Mm. So I do think that the absolute shock of her dying um, triggered everything yeah. for me personally. But I, I did have to relook at my life totally and look at stress and the part that that played in my life. And exercise, I used to exercise and now I know more than ever how vitally important to exercise in, not mm. just at the physicality of us and being healthy, but also in maintaining a, a healthy mental balance. Uh, yes, yeah. and emotional. Yeah. Yes, yes. Because there is research that shows that chronic stress can actually make cancer spread faster and the stress uh, can speed up the spread of cancer throughout the body. So you're saying that there you believe that that losing your mom could have fast-tracked the issue with you? 
For me, yes. I had also tried, to, I was married and I tried to have a baby, so all the hormone treatments. So I really believe that these were contributing factors. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at three women in a family, even though I'm BRCA um, uh, negative, I'm negative. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a genetic link yes. to, to, and perhaps they just didn't there's see what it was. There's a risk factor yeah. that there's a possibility that yeah. it could happen and yeah. it has happened. Yeah. So obviously, because there are a few risk factors that, that have been listed, which is, and, and they don't know from what I was reading is apparently they don't know what causes it, but they have identified a few risk factors. And that is, you know, as you get older, so increasing age, if you have early menstruation or late menopause, um, if you have a family history with breast cancer, obesity after menopause or long-term use of combined hormone therapy. And you're saying that you've obviously got the history, you went through some kind of hormone treatment and you had the stress of losing your your mom. So they're worth probably factors that combined to to fast track it when maybe you could have beaten it because you have a healthy lifestyle. So how did you feel? How did you go through the feeling of, I know there's a lot of people who feel, why me? Mm -hmm. Why did this happen to me? Like you're saying, you know, I'm healthy. I don't smoke. I, you know, I, I, I eat well, I exercise. How do you deal with that? Because there there's, there's an anger at, at your body that, you know, I've been so good to you. Why did you do this? Why did this happen? Yes, to several things you've said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I never asked myself, why me? I I truly believe, and this is a lifelong practice that I've had, Mm -hmm. um, when you're ready to to learn the lesson, you call the teacher into your life. And this could be uh, a course, a person, an accident, or an illness. Mm -hmm. I think everybody has something. And so I looked at that. Uh, I looked at what was happening to me as there was definitely something here deep for me to be learning or I would not be receiving this gift. Mm. Um, And then very quickly I started to understand, well, of course, why not me? I'm the perfect person for this to happen to apart from genetically, but I speak on a public forum. I'm a Western woman in a country where it's uh, taboo to speak about breasts and cancer. I'm not shy. I'm a very open person. I'm the perfect person to put on a public stage and speak about this. Mm. And I do believe that the lessons that we learn are ours, of course, but they're not ours to keep. Yes. They're, they're to share with others. We have a responsibility to share our lessons. And, and I think, yeah, that gave my... Uh, what happened to me, meaning. Mm-hmm. Now I view it as a gift because my life has changed enormously since being diagnosed. I live a life now very different to how I used to live. So obviously there is the whole physical and emotional side of learning about or finding out about when you first you know, mm-hmm. uh, get the test results and, yeah. and find out that you do have cancer and then there is beating the cancer. Yeah. What next? What what happens once you've beaten it? What does that feel like? How do you steer your life back? Um, and and you know, start. Do you start fresh? Do you just go back to doing what you were doing? Do you have fear that it might come back? There's a few different answers to a few things that you've asked. Mm-hmm. I think immediately for me, what happened was, you know, I'm a stubborn sort, right? So I was pre-cancer. I was working 14, 16 hour days. Mm-hmm. 
I think two months after my operation, I went straight back to doing that. Um, right. So you asked, did you learn the lesson? No. <laughs> my body had to take charge again and absolutely fall mm-hmm. down to the point where I couldn't function. I went to the doctor and I asked, please, can I have a week off? She laughed at me. She said, you're kidding, right? I'm like, no, please, I desperately need a week. Mm. As, and she said to me, Linda, I suggest you take three months off. Wow. You go and you sit on an island somewhere, no technology around you, and you think about your life. Right. And bless her for saying that because I did. I did that for two months mm-hmm. and came back and changed my life radically. I gave up the job that I was in. I started my own business. I started training uh, physically. Mm-hmm. A year later, I joined a group of 12 other breast cancer survivors and we went on an expedition to Antarctica wow. to raise awareness. Mm-hmm. And then since then, I, I have lived my life very consciously and aware. I think the gift of looking at your own mortality is that you, for some of us, we choose to live. Mm-hmm. And then we ask ourselves, well, how do I want to live? Yes, and and now I live fearlessly and free. So I every year I try and scare myself and push my boundaries. Yes. So I climbed Kilimanjaro. I've just come back for from a 250-kilometer kayak expedition around Zanzibar Island that mm-hmm. I did with my sister. Mm-hmm. And it's about really living life to the fullest. I think immediately after... You know, when you've gone through your ordeal, there's such a high. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also... You've been touched by death, right? It's yes. kind of come, it's brushed you. Very and, close, yes. Uh, and you would recognize that too, I'm sure. There's this need and will to live and this urgency to live right now, not tomorrow, mm-hmm. right now, because yes. right now is all I know I have. Yes. I'm surprised you're saying that because I started 2019 telling my husband to say that I want to live this year as if I might not make it next year. And so... Everything that I do this year has to be about what I want to do. I mean, no one is telling me I have to do this and I have to do that. I'm choosing that. And then, you know, if those are the things I don't want to do, I have no one to blame but myself. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do everything because I might not make it. We don't know how long we have to live. We don't know how many days we have here. So not doing something that you want to do is such a disservice to yourself. You know, why, why, what's stopping you? So this year is all about exploring those fears, those things that I've probably told myself, you know, things that society says that I have internalized and started to believe in and to just go out there and do it Mm. because nothing is stopping you. Right. Sounds like you're a lot more conscious and intentional about how you want to live. Yes, I just have to figure out what what are the things I want to do. But I just know that I don't want to let anything stop me. That's how I want to live my life. And and it's amazing to, you know, to go through some trauma and then to to, to have that, to say, not only did I make it, now I want to help other people, you know, find what I have found. Because like you're saying, life taught you a lesson. Your, your, your battle with cancer taught you a lesson and you're better for it. You're stronger for it. Um, and and it's, it's a great story to share with other people who are struggling, mm-hmm. who just need that, that little bit of advice or that little hope that says, you're going to be okay. 
I wouldn't want to give anybody advice because uh, every woman's journey is, mm. is different mm. and I would never want to undermine how anybody else is feeling. Of course. Um, I can only share my lessons and what were useful to me in the hope that they are somehow useful to somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. And they are. What yeah. I'm saying is that yeah. we are so, we don't know the power we have. Sharing a story is yeah. extremely powerful yeah. and it requires a lot of courage. Yeah. So I would, I yeah. would like to say thank you to you for, for having that courage to share your story and, and having the will to, to help other people with it. Thank you so much, Linda, for talking to us. And you know, I, I, I commend everything you're doing with your support group, with Breast Friends. And if there's anything we can do to help, please let us know. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you asking me here. I, I really believe that the more conversations we have, such as these, the less fear there is in our community about the disease and the more empowered women are. And that's important. Yes, absolutely. I agree with you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. This is Kanchan Kulkarni saying goodbye for now and speak to you again soon.